Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. Joining us now is Dr. Tim Golden. He's a visiting professor of philosophy at Whitman College. For 20 years, he was a criminal defense attorney in Philadelphia and in the federal courts. Tim, good morning. Good morning, Solomon. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Yeah, man, it's a pleasure. So um, we got a lot to talk about, man. I've been thinking a lot about uh, monuments, and and that's really thanks to you because I, I can't get it out of my mind, man. You said we, we love monuments, but we hate movements. And I think that is mm-hmm. so right. But but when you talk about monuments that are black, well, it's a whole different story. A statue mm-hmm. honoring Jackie Robinson was cut down and destroyed in Wichita, Kansas, and Emmett Till Memorial was repeatedly riddled with bullets in Mississippi. A plaque in California honoring a black couple who were stripped of their land in the 1920s was stolen. Tim, what is the importance of monuments in American culture and why do black monuments suffer harm? So the importance of monuments in American culture is that we need them to remember the past. Now, in recent years, there have been move, there have been movements to dismantle certain monuments, right? And there's been some scholarship done that has suggested that a lot of the monuments of Confederate generals, for example, have been strategically placed to instill a certain fear in black people and mm-hmm. to maintain a sense of white supremacy that these people, even in death, still loom large over us. Mm-hmm. So we can remember history for various purposes and reasons, not all of them being good. But in the case of, of Black monuments and Black history, it seems that even in death and even in remembrance, there is a persistent refusal to see Black people as making any constructive contribution to American culture. The sense of entitlement that many whites feel to America and to its story is so bad, Solomon, that we're even now trying to ban black history in classrooms, in elementary school classrooms. And we mistakenly call it critical race theory, which it is not. And the aim is to completely do away with any, and completely erase any reference to the achievements of black people. And it's, it's sad because on one hand, we, a lot of whites have fought to maintain, if you remember the whole Charlottesville situation about seven years ago, almost now, was over the removal of a statue in Charlottesville of a white person whose memory wanted to be, whites wanted to thrust in front of us so that the intimidation of white supremacy could continue. So certain monuments we want to remain, others we want to deface or take down, and so much of that plays out America's troubled racial history. So it's a it's a disturbing battlefield on which white
white supremacy takes center takes center stage even today, and it's sad that on one hand we want to remind us of history when it comes to keeping black people in their place, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, when black people make great achievements like Jackie Robinson or others, we feel a need to tear that down or worse, deface it. Defacing it is almost worse than tearing it down. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we are right now. We're in a, mm-hmm. in a very bad place. It, it's amazing to me. And I, I think that for me, this shows the lie in people telling us, oh, they're just statues. They're just, it doesn't mean, you know, no, it, it means everything. And each one of them has a, a very uh, clear message, right? So you have uh, a monument of, of Robert E. Lee and Heather Heyer lost her life That's fighting right. to have that monument removed and, and to have um, black people treated equally. Heather, Heather Heyer, by the way, is, is was white. Um, and she was out there, you know, as part of the anti-racism protests. And she lost her life in that over a statue. That's right. And so right. here in Philadelphia, I'm on Kelly Drive and I know you're familiar with Kelly Drive, Tim. The oh, yeah. only statue of yeah. a black person on Kelly Drive is a statue of a slave, a black man in chains. Right. And it says uh, slave, their chains have been torn asunder. But the only thing is the chain is still firmly attached and it looked like the brother straining against it. That's a message. Yeah. It is a message. It is absolutely a message, Solomon. Listen, if if statues didn't mean anything, then why are you trying to deface them? And if statues didn't mean anything, why did a bunch of uh, Nazis march in Charlottesville in the fight in the in the far right wing rally that caused Heather Heyer to lose her life? The fact of the matter is. Statues as as a form of representational art, they mean they mean everything. Yeah, they mean yeah. everything to the people who want them up, and they mean everything to the people who want them down. And mm-hmm. it's a the the battle over statues, defacing them, taking them down, leaving them up, etc., is a microcosm, or is one of the ways I should say that this battle against white supremacy is fought because art does matter to a culture. Icons and images do matter to a culture. It does matter that the only statue of a, of a black person is the statue of a slave still fighting against the chains of slavery. You mean to tell me out of all the great African-Americans from Philadelphia, you can't have other uh, black people of their actual historical figures, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than a figure that is just there to represent slavery. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong uh, with remembering slavery, but in the context that you're talking about, it's terribly important. I mean, for years, Solomon, outside the art museum, I get the power of mythology, story, and all of that, and Rocky becomes associated with Philadelphia. But, I mean, I complained for years that we never had a statue of Joe Frazier. And I understand that somebody finally got commissioned to do one. But, I mean, if you want to pay tribute to a boxer in Philadelphia, Joe Frazier's from North Philly. Mm-hmm. What, where's, where, where has his statue been all of these years? I, 
understand somebody's working on one now. I, well, they already put it up. It's it's but but they got it down by Xfinity Live by the stadium. Ain't nobody seeing it there, man. Uh, right. I mean, that's the one. I mean, you know, you got to. So I mean, that to me, like yeah. you would rather pay tribute to a mythological white boxer oh, yeah. than an actual historical boxer who beat Muhammad Ali. Yeah, like, that that matters. You know that that kind of stuff matters. So it, it's a it's a art is very political, mm-hmm. and the way that we engage with works of art and artistic production is a battlefield of resistance. Yes against white supremacy and its influence. It is indeed. It is indeed. So the Grammy Awards aired last night. Uh, and and while I'm not familiar with, with much of what's going on in, in pop music, I am keenly aware that Black music has been very influential. How has Black music shaped American music and culture, Tim? What are your thoughts? Well, Solomon, we go now from from representational art and statues to, to non-representational to art in in music and in, in poetry. And the critical race theorist Derek Bell once said that if there were no black people, America would have to invent. And I think that when it comes to music, you take every part of American music, music that is uniquely American. I'm talking about the blues, I'm talking about jazz, and and its various permutations, R and D, hip hop, all of the things that come from the black community that speak to the struggle of black people and that end up getting appropriated by white, there it's I don't think it's a stretch to say that there would be very little music in America were it not for black were it not for, because so much of music comes from struggle. So much of poetry is born out of pain and joy. You have, you have all sorts of existential experiences that we have that make us want to sing. When you're going through a bad breakup, very few people want to read books, but most people want to hear a song. If you feel good about something, you don't want to go to a lecture. You want to sing a song. And so the highs and lows of black people are baked into American culture through black music, whether it's the, the, the joy. And usually for us, the same things that make us happy make us sad. Look at yeah. emancipation. Mm-hmm. Look at emancipation. It's been yeah. a two-edged sword. Dr. King said for the, the slave freedom, meant freedom to hunger, freedom to the winds and rains of heaven, right? Being just thrust off a plantation and then almost not too long after that, being labeled criminal for not having a job or being a vagrant, right? Look at Thurgood Marshall said that the law is a two-edged sword. The same thing that could enslave us was the way that he saw it could set us free. And all of these experiences through African-American history are experiences that tell us how important music is. So the influence of of Black music on American culture, um, it cannot be overstated. I don't care what happens at a board show. I 
somebody Grammy, somebody gets, we can we can talk about all the structures and all the sort of artificial institutions that get established that black people have to fight to get into and be included into. We can talk about that all day long. Mm-hmm. But in the end, there is no debating that without black music, there would be very little America. Yeah. And, and you know, our music, it is so interesting, man, because I watch these shows and these movies that uh, do not star black people. But when it's time to convey an emotion, when it's time to convey loss or joy or pain or love uh, or, or anything that is within the range of human emotion, they use black music. That's right. You ever notice that? It's that's white right. people, but it's black music. You ever notice that? It's, it's white, that's right. It's white people because <laughs> they, they love the music, but they don't like the people. Right? <laughs> that's why we could always entertain white people. Right? Mm. We can always mm. do that. You come entertain me, but you can't be seen. You can only be seen as an entertainer. That's, there's only certain modes of visibility in which whites could sort of tolerate us. And one of them is something to entertain them, right? But never realizing that the person who's doing the entertaining is a person. That that person comes from a community. And that community has a set of experiences from which that music comes. And check this out, Solomon. The experiences from where our music comes have to do directly with circumstances in which whites are responsible for creating the conditions that led to the music in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you want me to entertain you and I make my music out of conditions that you created to hold me back. Mm-hmm. So it's almost as like, it's almost as though black people are in this conundrum yeah. where we can't get away from our experiences, but even then, Solomon, the music that we make is beautiful, the poetry, I mean, say what you want about certain strains of, of, of hip hop or gangster rap or what have you, but I've always said that the, the trouble with my criticism of, of that genre is that it tends to be a little too, the criticism is too superficial. Yeah, the lyrics are bawdy and, and they're bad and we don't like things that are said about women and, and we don't like things that are said about men, frankly, a lot of those songs. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is that the main reason why a lot of people don't like it, certainly why a lot of whites don't like it, by the way, white kids do listen to gangster rap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they buy most like of it. it. And mm-hmm. they buy most of it. The reason mm-hmm. why they don't like it is because the music comes from situations in which whites have put black people in ghettos by redlining, Mm. by all kinds of environmental racism, and the Mm. black people to keep from going crazy, because that's where art comes from, a desire to survive, they start to rap about the conditions that they see. They rap about the things that they see and mm. we don't we don't like to see the product of our own racism. Mm-hmm. And so when they talk about it, we then condemn them 
for talking about it without doing anything to alleviate the conditions that led to the artistic production in the first place. Mm, 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 that is lawyer and critical race theorist, Dr. Tim Golden. He is a visiting professor of philosophy at Whitman College for 20 years. He was a criminal defense attorney in Philadelphia and in the federal courts. Tim, as always, thanks so much. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com.